Welcome, one and all, to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show. I am your host, Robert Rogers, the founder of Parkinson's Recovery, which has now been in existence for 10 marvelous years. So this year, in 2014, happens to be our 10-year anniversary. Parkinson's Recovery is dedicated to providing information, support, and resources to individuals who currently experience a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease and currently experience Parkinson's symptoms, as well as their family members. We provide a wide variety of support resources that are readily available here on the Internet. You're connecting now to one of those resources, which is the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show. We also have a Sunday Connections program where every Sunday afternoon a volunteer host gets on the air, oftentimes has guests themselves. Many of the hosts have a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease and have figured out ways to reverse those symptoms. So connect in with our Sunday Connections programs. Of course, listen to our radio show. Connect into our blog. We have several blogs that have a mountain of information that is helping individuals reverse the symptoms associated with Parkinson's disease. If you'd like to be able to get notices about all of our free services and, and informational resources, be sure to sign up for the Parkinson's Recovery Newsletter, which, of course, is free. You do that by going on to the main website, parkinsonsrecovery.com, and you'll see a little menu item that says Newsletter. Click that, add your email, and you are in after you confirm your subscription in your email. If you have any problems signing up for the free newsletter, just email me, and I'll be happy to assist. My email address is easy to remember. It's my first name, Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T, at, and then the address of the website, parkinsonsrecovery.com. Spread the word to your friends who would also like to be able to receive these notices and the types of writings that I am constructing that are helping people reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. My guest today is a very special man who I think is making an enormous contribution to the worldwide community that is interested in finding ways to reverse any of the symptoms associated with chronic illness. Dr. Bruce Fife is the uh, director of the Coconut Research Center, which is a non-for-profit organization that is operated by an all-volunteer staff so his creations and the array of the books that he has written is a dazzling list of books that will really knock the socks off of you. Dr. Fife, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Tell us all about yourself. Well, um, I'm a certified nutritionist and a naturopathic physician. And I've written over 20 books. Um, about 12 of them, believe it or not, deal with coconut in some form or another. And because of this, I have uh, received the nickname of Dr. Coconut. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> yes. And several years ago, um, 
before I even got into coconut, uh, I had a colleague tell me that coconut oil was one of the good fats, you know, and uh, it's it's high in saturated fat, so people had been shying away from it. I thought of it as an unhealthy fat because of its saturated fat content. So when I had this colleague who I re- highly respected say it was a good fat, I was totally shocked. And she said it didn't cause heart disease and had many health benefits associated with it. And this was such a surprise to me that I wanted to learn more. And back at this time, this is about, oh, 15, 16 years ago, back in this time, there wasn't anything written specifically about coconut oil. And so I just couldn't look it up and find some information. And the Internet didn't exist, so I couldn't look it up there. And so I went to the place where I thought I could get the most reliable information, and that was medical studies. I started looking up medical studies that they've done on coconut oil. And as I started doing this research, I found benefit after benefit after benefit. And I couldn't find anything that was negative. Uh, There was no studies that linked coconut oil consumption to heart disease. In fact, it was just the opposite. Most of the studies actually showed that coconut oil uh, would help protect against heart disease. And so I, I did all this research. I started adding coconut oil into my life, and I, I realized that most people outside the research community had no idea about the wonderful benefits that could come from coconut and coconut oil And so it inspired me to write my first book on coconut called The Coconut Oil Miracle. And it all went on after that. (laughs) We really were introduced to some of your amazing work here over the last several months by acquiring one of your books, Dr. Fife. It's Cooking with Coconut Flour. My confession to our listening audience is I actually did not realize that there was anything such as a coconut flower. And so we've been studying this book very carefully and beginning to make some recipes from it. Uh, We've been avoiding the use of wheat because of lots of issues associated with wheat. And so that means that we've had to avoid eating a lot of foods that are comfort foods and yet when I look at this book, the list of, uh, of uh, ingredients and the list of the ki- types of things that can be made using uh, coconut flour is just stunning. For example, carrot, nut, muffins, pumpkin muffins, lemon cake, spice cake, Williamsburg orange cake, carrot cake, German chocolate cake, maple pecan cake, etc., etc. So... Every night, actually, we sit at dinner time and we review some of your recipes, Dr. Fife. It's like, <laughs> whoa, look at this. This looks wonderful. And, of course, one of the reasons this is so exciting is that the types of foods uh, that you can make and your recipes are all healthy, so they're not going to create any problems or neurological damage of any sort whatsoever. Dr. Fife, right. is... Yes, I was going to say, you were probably just going to ask me this, but what is coconut flour? Yes. <laughs> what because, is coconut you know, flour? We know what wheat it, flour it was, is. <laughs> 
because it's new to you, but it's probably new to 90% of your listeners as well. They've probably never even heard of coconut flour. And basically what coconut flour is, it's a coconut meat that has been dehydrated, defatted, and ground into a fine powder. And it looks and feels just like uh, wheat flour, and you can use it to make uh, breads and cakes and all those type of things. And the benefit to it is that it's gluten-free. So people who can't handle gluten or people who are allergic to wheat can use coconut flour uh, to produce uh, breads and things like that. And in my cookbook, um, I do have a fair amount of sweet-tasting things, like what you've mentioned, the cakes and things and muffins. But I've also give alternative recipes for those who don't want all the sugar. So there's a regular sugar version and then a reduced or non-sugar version to all of them as well. In your introduction of this particular book, there's a table that describes the fiber content of various flours. I've always liked wheat bran because I knew it had a lot of fiber, and of course that's healthy for the digestive system. The percent fiber content of wheat bran is 27%, oat bran 16%, buckwheat flour 8%, wheat flour is only 13%, but coconut flour is 61% fiber content. That in itself says a lot about the value of coconut flour. Yes, and so people can actually, who are on low-carb diets, for example, can actually incorporate coconut flour into their diet. So you could have both a gluten-free and a low-carb diet at the same time using coconut flour. What an amazing opportunity to begin to make foods that are yummy for the tummy and also healthy for the soul. Yep. What, Dr. Fife, is the relation between Alzheimer's and diabetes? Well, you know, in recent years, there's been some information that's been coming out in the medical literature and uh, in clinical studies, uh, which is very interesting. And one of the recent discoveries is that Alzheimer's is actually a form of diabetes. It's it's brain diabetes. Uh, it's basically insulin resistance of the brain. And so um, those with Alzheimer's, uh, their brains, basically the brain cells just can't absorb glucose. And glucose is the primary source of fuel for all the cells in our body, including our brain. And if our brain can't absorb glucose then the cells start to starve, they degenerate, and they die. And this is what leads to the loss in memory, cognitive skills and such associated with Alzheimer's disease. And it is my belief that uh, Parkinson's is very similar to that. It, too, could possibly be a form of diabetes because many diabetics also have uh, insulin resistance and their brains. And so uh, people who have diabetes, like type 2 diabetes, which is insulin-resistant diabetes, are at very high risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. So there's a close relationship there between the two. I'm Robert Rogers, the host of the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show, 
If you'd like to be able to call in and ask Dr. Fife a question, the guest call-in number, toll-free, is 877-590-0733. What in the world, then, is insulin resistance? Well, insulin resistance is, you know, as I mentioned, our cells need glucose. That's the fuel that our cells use. And in order to absorb glucose from the bloodstream, we need the hormone insulin. Insulin basically unlocks uh, the door on the cell membrane that allows glucose to enter. And it's absolutely essential. You need insulin in order for glucose to enter the cells. Your bloodstream could be saturated in glucose, and if you didn't have any insulin, the glucose could not get into the cells. As a consequence, your cells would degenerate, starve, and die. And so what happens uh, in insulin resistance is that cells become unresponsive to the action of insulin, and so they don't absorb glucose. And so this is what type 2 diabetes uh, is. It's insulin resistant. 90% of diabetics are type 2 diabetics. They're insulin resistant. They can absorb the glucose from their bodies. And so those with Alzheimer's disease also can absorb glucose into their brain cells. So this is insulin resistance. And so what can people do about insulin resistance other than simply taking insulin shots? Well, one thing they can do is to get a source of ketones. Ketones is an alternative source of fuel to glucose, and particularly um, for those with Alzheimer's disease. Ketones are normally produced when you do not eat carbs. Carbs are the source of glucose. And so if you don't eat anything at all or if you don't eat carbohydrates, then your blood sugar levels, your blood glucose levels are going to come down. But your cells in your body need a continual source of fuel 24 hours a day. And so what they do is they rely on stored fat to meet the need of the body's energies. And so fatty acids are pulled out of storage and the cells in our body can use fatty acids like they do glucose to produce energy. But the brain, however, cannot use fatty acids, and it needs another type or another source of fuel. And so the liver can produce what's known as ketones. And the ketones are made from, from our stored fat. And then the brain can access these ketones. And even when the body is insulin resistant, the cells can use ketones. So insulin resistance doesn't affect the use of ketones at all. And therefore, even an Alzheimer's brain can absorb ketones. And so when ketone levels are high, the brain can use those. And that happens when you aren't eating, such as between meals or at night when you're asleep or when you're fasting or when you are 
on a low-carb diet, then your body is going to start producing ketones. And during these times, your blood ketones are going to go up, and these ketones can feed the brain. When you eat a meal, then the liver stops producing ketones, blood ketone levels come down, and then blood glucose levels rise. And for people with Alzheimer's as well as Parkinson's, then the brain cannot absorb the glucose, and it's basically starving and dying. It sounds like one possibility for people to increase ketones is to go on a starvation diet. Is that right? <laughs> well, partially. Um, ways to increase blood ketone levels is fasting. Of course, that's limited. You can only fast for so long, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So that's not a complete answer, but it's interesting, you know, because fasting therapy has been used for hundreds of years. In fact, back in the 19, early 1900s, 1920s or so, fasting therapy was actually pretty popular, and it was used to treat a lot of very difficult-to-treat conditions uh, like cancer, some digestive problems, arthritis, and even epilepsy. In fact, it was very successful in the treatment of epilepsy. And so doctors would put their epileptic patients on a total water fast. And they would keep them on the fast for like 20 to 30 days, consuming nothing but water. And what they found is that the patients uh, improved dramatically. In some cases, it even cured uh, the epilepsy. In other cases, it brought, you know, long, long relief or reduced the seizures that they received. And doctors, you know, noticed, you know, that the longer they could keep a patient on a fast, the better the outcome. And so they designed a diet that could mimic the therapeutic effects of fasting without... Um, starving, but allowing them to eat enough foods for uh, good health. And this was known as a ketogenic diet. And the ketogenic diet proved to be very successful in treating uh, epilepsy. And um, it's been used, since it was so uh, successful in treating epilepsy, uh, researchers over the years have tried it with um Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, Huntington's disease, ALS, uh, stroke, and things like that. And in every case, it has proven to be very successful. And so, um, but the problem with the ketogenic diet is that it's pretty strict. You know, normally we consume about 60% of our calories as carbohydrate. On the ketogenic diet, that amount is dropped to about 2%. And so when you take out so much carbohydrate, you need to replace it with something else. So in the ketogenic diet, it's replaced with fat. And so the, keto, the classic ketogenic diet contains approximately 90% fat, 8% protein, and 2% carbohydrate. And this is kind of a, a hard diet to not only prepare but to eat. 
And so over the years, it hasn't been used very much for that reason. Um, but then um, in later years, they discovered coconut ketones, which changed things around. And you might ask me, what's coconut ketones? <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, how many <laughs> listeners out there have heard of coconut ketones? So tell us more. <laughs> Well, what's interesting about coconut ketones is that when um, – well, let me tell you a little bit about coconut oil. Coconut oil um, is different from all other oils in the diet, and the difference is in the fat molecule. <clears throat> the fat molecule, the fatty acids that make up coconut oil are unique. They're known as medium-chain fatty acids or medium-chain triglycerides. Most of the fats that we eat on a day-to-day basis from corn oil, soybean oil, uh, animal fats, and all this are composed of what's known as long-chain fatty acids or long-chain triglycerides. But coconut oil is unique in that it's predominantly medium-chain fatty acids. And this is important because the size of the fatty acid, um, our bodies process the different fatty acids different and much of the health benefits that are associated with coconut oil come from these medium-chain fatty acids, and that's why coconut oil has unique health properties that other oils just don't have. And one of the unique characteristics about these medium-chain fatty acids is that when we consume them, a portion of them will automatically be converted into ketones, and so you can raise blood ketone levels to therapeutic levels simply by eating coconut. And these, these ketones are produced regardless of what other foods are in the diet or your blood glucose levels. So unlike when you're on a fast and your blood glucose levels go down and your body starts producing ketones, when you eat coconut oil, your body is going to produce ketones regardless of your blood glucose levels. And so if you add coconut oil into your diet, you can basically turn most any type of diet into a ketogenic diet and have the same therapeutic effect on the brain. And so back in the 1970s, they discovered coconut ketones. And so they combined the classic ketogenic diet with coconut oil or MCT oil, which is medium-chain triglyceride oil, which is derived from coconut oil. And they started treating epileptic patients that way. And they had just as much success doing that. The benefit of using um, the coconut ketones was that you could reduce the amount of fat that's in the diet and increase the amount of protein and carbohydrate. So the diet becomes much more palatable and much more manageable uh, to do because you have much more of a variety of foods to eat. And this uh, type of diet, this ketogenic diet using medium-chain triglycerides has been proven to be very successful in treating epilepsy and even bringing about complete cures. And, you know, epilepsy, it's a a brain condition. The brain's not working properly, but when ketones are available, they correct the defect in the brain. Um, Can I talk a little bit about that? Oh, please do. One of the very interesting things about 
ketones is that when they go to the brain, they stimulate, they do several things. One of the things they do is that ketones produce much more energy than glucose. So they provide a better source of energy than glucose. In fact, um, they're known as, ketones are known as super fuel for the brain. It's like putting high-performance uh, gasoline into your car. You get more power, better gas mileage, with less wear and tear on the engine. Ketones have a similar type effect in, when they're used in the brain. And there's several things, or four, I have four major things that ketones can do for the brain. One is they provide this high-potency alternative fuel um, to glucose. Uh, the second one is that they increase blood flow to the brain, improving circulation and oxygen delivery. And third is they trigger the activation of certain proteins in the brain called brain-derived neurotrophic factors. Now, these proteins regulate brain cell growth, repair, and function. And this allows a brain that has had problems like epilepsy, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, or anything like that, to heal, to calm runaway inflammation, and to get better. And the fourth thing is that ketones provide the basic building blocks for new brain cells. You know, it's interesting to note that much of our brain is actually made from ketones. During the third trimester of pregnancy and the first several months after birth, our bodies are in a state of ketosis, high blood ketones. And the purpose of that is to provide the brain with not only the energy that it needs, but the building blocks it needs for the brain. During this period of time, it's known as the brain growth spurt period. It's when the brain grows the most that it will ever grow in your entire life. And so it needs these building blocks for the brain. Well, because of this, ketones have a very pronounced effect on brain health and can be used therapeutically to treat brain disorders such as epilepsy, Alzheimer's, or Parkinson's disease. And so that's kind of the connection with coconut. Coconut can provide these uh, ketones that the brain needs to repair itself. And, and one of the things that I mentioned was the, the, the proteins, the, um, the, the neurotrophic factors in the brain. These are really very powerful proteins that stimulate healing and repair of the brain. And so the brain can actually have a lot of repair going on when you have ketones, therapeutic levels of ketones in the blood. Are there any side effects to the coconut ketones? The ke coconut ketones themselves, no. Um, now, for the treatment of, say, Alzheimer's disease, and Alzheimer's patients are showing remarkable benefits uh, adding coconut oil into their diets. And I recommend that they add five tablespoons of coconut oil a day that's a fair amount, but they spread it throughout the day. They eat it with the foods. They prepare their foods in the oil. 
but I recommend that you actually start off at a lower dose, maybe one tablespoon a day. And the reason I say that is because lots of people have been afraid of fat, and so they've cut fat out of their diet, and so their bodies aren't quite accustomed to processing uh, a lot of fat. And so they need to add the fat back into their diet uh, gradually. And so um, a person who is a little bit sensitive to fat, when they start adding too much, the symptoms that they will experience will be a little bit of nausea and maybe some diarrhea. But that will go away as their body adjusts to the increased amount of fat. And so you can build up to the five tablespoons over a matter of a couple months. I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of individuals who experience Parkinson's symptoms, and a report that I oftentimes hear is, it's curious that I feel so much better when I don't eat, and when I do eat, I really get tired and fatigued and need to go to sleep. It sounds like your perspective here is the explanation for why that happens. Exactly, because when you eat, um, the the carbs in your food is going to be converted into glucose. Glucose levels are going to go up. Your body will not produce any ketones, and a brain that is insulin resistant, a brain that has difficulty absorbing glucose, is going to start starving, and you're not. It's not going to get the energy it needs. Metabolism is going to go, brain metabolism is going to go down. Uh, brain cells are going to start dying. And so between meals or after a night's sleep, when the blood glucose levels come down and the liver is starting to produce the ketones, then the brain finally gets some ketones in it to work properly and have the brain start functioning again and start repairing. But what happens is people eat breakfast, and then that destroys all the ketones. Right. And so so the fast is a good way. Um, another, another good way to uh, lower your blood sugar levels and increase ketone levels is a low-carb diet. So if you're not consuming carbohydrates, then your blood sugar levels will be uh, modest, and your body will start producing ketones to serve as the primary source of fuel. And you can, on a low-carb diet, particularly when you combine a low-carb diet with coconut oil, you can have uh, ketones available, therapeutic levels of ketones available in your bloodstream 24 hours a day. And when this happens, they are stimulating the brain to repair, to heal, for new brain cells to grow and to develop. And in the case of Park, in the case of Alzheimer's, which is where most of my experience has has been, is that it not only stops the progression of the disease, but it actually reverses it. There has never been a drug for Alzheimer's disease that can stop the progression of the disease. The absolute most they can do is slow down the progression of the disease a little bit. And these drugs only work for about 6 to 12 months, and then they don't work anymore after that. But coconut oil, low-carb diet, can stop the progression of Alzheimer's and reverse it. And studies with Parkinson's patients as well that have been put 
on a ketogenic diet have shown benefits just like that. So there's a lot of potential here for Parkinson's patients as well. I get many questions from individuals diagnosed with Parkinson's disease that are very different from the regular population. Most people in the population are wanting to know how to lose weight. The questions I frequently get is, how can I put weight on? I can confirm that in the three Parkinson's recovery summits that we have convened, one in Vancouver, one in Cincinnati, and one in Santa Fe, uh, the large group of individuals were, I must say, all very thin people. So the question I've got for you, Dr. Fife, is how does a person put on weight? Well, you know, I believe a lot of that is due to not eating properly, not eating enough food. Um, People may have difficulty even eating, and so they don't eat as much as they should. One thing about the coconut oil and coconut products, but coconut oil particularly, is it has a, a Biodirectional effect in that um, it can help overweight people lose excess weight. Um, when you eat coconut oil, it's actually processed differently from other fats. Um, it goes straight to the liver where it's used to produce energy or transferred into other forms of energy like ketones. And in this process, a person actually gets a boost of energy. In fact, during the day, during the afternoon, when you kind of get a little bit sleepy, uh, taking a spoonful of coconut oil uh, will give you that boost, and that's what I do uh, if that happens to me. And the coconut oil gives me that boost through the day. In fact, I can't eat coconut oil too late at night because if I do, I will be wide awake at <laughs> night because I have so much energy. And and one of the consequences of that is that it kicks your metabolism into a higher gear, and so you burn off calories. But in underweight people, what coconut oil does is kind of the opposite. It helps them gain weight, and the way it does that is that it improves nutrient absorption. And it's interesting um, because, you know, if you add fats to your diet, fats in general will improve nutrient absorption. And the reason for that is because uh, when fats in your digestive system go through the digestive system slower, so they slow down digestion. So other foods that are in the diet will be bathed in digestive enzymes uh, for a longer time. And during that process, more nutrients will be released. And it's interesting with with studies they've done on this where they've given uh, subjects like a salad to eat. And in one salad, they use non-fat dressing, and it's it's a low-fat salad. And in another salad, they'll add in avocados as a fat source, or they'll use a, 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 a fatty dressing on it. And then what they'll do is after the subjects have eaten the salad, they will take blood samples and test for the amount of nutrients, and they find that those that have added fat into their salad will have three, four, five, up to 18 times more of these vitamins like beta-carotene and lutein and things like that in their bloodstream, as much as 18 times. So it's like these people would have to eat 18 bowls of salad without fat to equal the nutrition they would get with one bowl of salad with just a little bit of fat added to it. Wow. And coconut oil 
seems to improve the absorption of these nutrients better than other types of fat. Uh, other studies have compared the different types of fat. They compared fish oils, olive oil, corn oil, soybean oil, coconut oil, and all these, uh, and they've tested them, and they've found that coconut oil overall improves the absorption of uh, not only the fat-soluble vitamins, but the water-soluble, the B vitamins, as well as minerals like calcium and magnesium. And even protein is improved when coconut oil is added to the foods. And so, um, in, and they've used coconut oil because of this to treat malnourished children. And they've found, in comparison with other oils, that when they give the children coconut oil in their foods, that malnourished children uh, uh, gain weight quicker than others. And so, uh, for Parkinson's patients, if they want to gain more weight, healthy weight, not fat weight, but healthy weight, then adding coconut oil into their foods will increase the total amount of the vitamins and minerals and proteins that their body is going to absorb from that food. This is Robert Rogers. I am the founder of Parkinson's Recovery and the host of the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show. If you'd like to be able to call in and ask a question, the guest call-in number is 877-590-0733. Area code 808, you are on the air. Do you have a question for Dr. Bruce Fife? Yeah, Robert, this is Tommy from Hawaii. Hi there. How are you? Great. Hey, so... um. I do have a question. Um, I just took four teaspoons, tablespoons of coconut oil just from listening to what you said, and it feels uh, my body feels great. But I, I have this situation where I, I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and I take a hike. It's about a 30-minute hike up a mountain and then about a 20-minute hike down the mountain. And I take one carbidopa levodopa before I go up. But when I get down, I need to eat breakfast in order to feel good again because I start to go into sort of a... Uh, what you call off symptoms with my Parkinson's. I've been diagnosed about seven years ago. I um, And so what I eat for breakfast is bacon and eggs with hash brown potatoes that I make myself. And after I eat my breakfast, I feel like normal again, and I'm wondering why that might be. And if there's some alternative, I know it's not probably the healthiest form of diet, but I'm just trying to think of something else that I can change to that will give me the same results because, Eating that breakfast, I, I definitely feel much, much better. I, I, I have a hard time making it. My, my body isn't off, but as soon as I eat it, I get back, back into a normal state of, uh, of uh, dopamine running through my brain, I guess, is what's happening. Well, you know, I, I would recommend that you continue with your bacon and eggs, but cut out the hash browns and then use coconut oil, and you'll probably feel even better. So, but should I do the coconut oil raw? Just, just eat it raw in, in, in a teaspoon form? You can, but I actually the recommend top. people use the, the oil in their foods. And coconut oil is very heat-stable, and it makes an excellent cooking oil. So I actually recommend that you cook uh, your eggs or other foods in the oil. Well, I, I'm, I poach my eggs, and I put the coconut oil in to keep the... Um, 
egg from sticking on the uh, stainless steel poaching mechanism. All right, you can you can you can pour the oil afterwards. I do that too. I I would I would uh, boil an egg and use a boiled egg, and then I'd put uh, a tablespoon of coconut oil on it after it's been shelled. So you think the eggs and bacon are not necessarily a bad situation, huh? No, I don't. The hash browns are what's bad. <laughs> well, you know, one of the, one of Robert's other guests talks about using eggplant and um, nightshade vegetables because they have nicotine in them, and so potatoes is also a nightshade vegetable, and so uh, or nightshade item. And I was finding that if I don't do the hash browns, my symptoms don't disappear quite as quickly. Do you have any comment have on you- that? Have you tried coconut oil in place of them? Well, what would you mean? Just take two or three tablespoons of coconut oil? Yes. Um, I, I, again, I recommend you take them with foods, particularly when you're first starting out. Um, I've been I've been taking coconut oil for a long time now, and my body's adapted to it. And so I could take, you know, a couple of tablespoons of coconut oil without any problem. But if you haven't been eating coconut oil, taking uh, two or three tablespoons all at once, you may not be able to handle that right now. But having foods will help you handle it a little bit better. I just took four tablespoons about five minutes ago when I was listening to you talk. And you don't have any problem? No, not at all. If if you don't have any problem, then... If you don't have any problem with, with a digestive problem or diarrhea, then continue with that. That would be fine. Okay, but you think I should try cutting the potatoes out, huh? Yes. I I would I would suggest um heading towards a low carb type diet. So then take take out the bread and, as well? Yes. Cuz I usually put the eggs on bread. Well, put them on eggplant. That's a good idea. Yeah, I'm just trying yeah, to brainstorm I just I fry up eggs with eggplant, uh, and it tastes great, and put it in coconut oil. And the eggplant soaks up the coconut oil really well. And I, I know you went over this, but what, what exactly is a ketone? A ketone is an alternative form of energy. It's made from fat. If it's made in the body and the liver, it's usually from stored fat or the medium chain um, fatty acids and coconut oil can also be converted into ketones. So it's, it's basically a, a inner form of energy produced from fat. So is that glucose? Excuse me, I didn't hear that. It's like glucose? It provides energy just like, in fact, better than glucose. And the body creates it in the liver, but it's also available in coconut oil and various other sources? It, Your body, yes. Your body produces it from stored fat, and your body can also easily produce it from coconut oil. Uh-huh. Okay. So I'll try the eggplant and see how that works for me. Okay. And um, I, I, what about the... Um, the concept that the other the other author was talking about creating a, a high nicotine in your diet from a food source. Robert, what was the name of the, the the author that wrote the book that's on Amazon about the eggplant? He was eating eggplant and, and green tomatoes and the um, remember you had him on your show once. Yes, um, 
Uh, you'll have to give me a minute to just recall it. It's, it's, um, it's in between... Uh, yeah, I know there's been some studies that have shown nicotine has improved some of the symptoms of, of Parkinson's, um, and, and that may be helpful, but uh, I think this would be a better route. Okay. Coconut oil. Yep. Okay, well, thanks for taking my call. I don't want to take up too much of your time to put it out. Uh, Thanks so much it. for calling in. We greatly appreciate well, it. I'll try eggplant next time. Great. Okay. Dr. Fife, you are the author of 18 books, including The Coconut Oil Miracle. People who have been listening to your presentation are going to be excited about acquiring one or more of your books. What would you recommend to people here who are listening today as the best book to get? Well, you know, there's actually two choices that I would recommend. One would be uh, The Coconut Oil Miracle, and that would be a basic introduction to the benefits of coconut oil and what it can do for your life. The other book I would recommend, particularly for your listening audience, is the one called Stop Alzheimer's Now. And even though the title of the book uses Alzheimer's, it the program designed in the book is applicable to Parkinson's and other neurological conditions as well. And they'll find that book on Amazon? You can easily find it on Amazon, um, yes. And if you can't find it there, you can go to my website as well, which is piccadillybooks.com. Could you please spell that website address very, very slowly? <laughs> okay. It's P-I-C-C-D-I-L-L-Y-B-O-O-K-S.com, PiccadillyBooks.com. Dr. Fife, uh, Deborah and I have been studying your cooking with coconut flour book very closely in preparation for this program. And what we have discovered is that when you cook with coconut flour, it takes quite a bit more water than if you cook with uh, wheat flour, for example. Well, um, actually, in the recipes in my book, I don't use any almost any water at all because it absorbs water like a sponge. And so I've, and if you look at the recipes, water uh, is reduced real much. You use uh, oils and eggs and other things. Right, instead of the actual water. But those types of fluids right. are used. Mm -hmm. How absolutely wonderful. So, Dr. Fife, you've made such amazing suggestions to people, some things that they can do for themselves to help reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Many people, many listeners have many, many possible options that they can pursue, so they get a bit overwhelmed with the number of different things that they can do. Can you make a couple of suggestions for listeners that would tie down exactly what you think would be a great idea for them to do? Well, yes. <laughs> Excuse me. I would think the best thing that they could do 
um, something that's that's fairly easy is they can do well two things is to add coconut oil into their diet I recommend starting off slow say one tablespoon a day and gradually increase that and if they can increase it to five tablespoons eventually that is the best thing and keep in mind that it may take several weeks or a couple months or more in order to reach that five tablespoons. And I recommend that they use the oil in foods because it's easier on the body when it's with foods until your body's adapted to it. The second thing I would suggest is to go on a low-carb diet. Uh, get rid of the carbs because um, I think... In, all, in, in Parkinson's disease, the brain is having a hard time absorbing the glucose. It would much rather have ketones. And so if you can keep your carb intake low, your body's going to produce its own ketones and it will produce them 24 hours a day. And it will uh, do a lot to stimulating some healing and repair in the brain. So a low-carb diet and adding coconut oil into the diet would be the two things, the two most important things they can do. If you'd like to be able to see a listing of Dr. Fife's 18 marvelous and miraculous books on Amazon, simply go on to the Amazon website, and if you type in his name, Bruce, first name B-R-U-C-E, and last name Fife, F-I-F-E, you'll see the listing of his books. And I might note, since I did that just before the show, you'll note that his books are really best-selling books. So they're very popular among persons, not only that have Parkinson's symptoms, but individuals who are interested in improving their overall health. How can people get in touch with you, Dr. Fife? Um, well, I guess the best thing would be to go to my uh, website. I have another website, which is just an educational website, and it's www.coconutresearchcenter.org. This is a non-commercial website. It's just for education, so there's no selling or marketing. It has lots of articles about the health benefits associated with coconut and coconut oil. It has medical research. It has uh, nutritional facts. It has news of what's happening in the world of coconut. Uh, it has lots of good information for people about coconut. Uh, it's coconutresearchcenter.org, and it also has um, a way to contact me on the website. And it, I, I want to say I visited that several times. It is a truly amazing website and well worth taking an hour or so time to review all of the wonderful information. Area code 501, you are on the air. Hi, Dr. Rogers, Dr. Five. Thanks for doing this uh, interview today. It's very informative. The thing about sugar, I guess, I guess uh, high-carb sugar or high-sugar diets is just really bad for you just because of the fact that it's just making your brain starve for glucose. Uh, yeah, sugar is bad for lots of things, and and as you're kind of mentioning here, uh, when you're eating sugar, it's going to promote insulin resistance, and it's going to promote brain insulin resistance. In fact, they've done uh, a lot of studies have just come out recently have shown that people who have 
uh, diets that are high in sugar, their brains actually age. The acceleration of the aging is much more with these people than other people. Um, no, I don't think I have a diet high in sugar, but what I do is I put a lot of sugar in my in, in tea when I drink tea. I drink tea fairly often. Um, but I've had some, some of my doctors ask me questions in the past if I was diabetic. I said, no, I, I wasn't diabetic. I, I don't test diabetic. But they, I guess for some reason well, I'm telling them about symptoms that make them ask me that question. You know, you can be insulin resistant without being diabetic. Diabetic is kind of an arbitrary point, and what they've done is they've taken what's insulin resistance, and at some point they said this level of insulin resistance will be diagnosed as diabetes. And if you're below that to this certain point, then you're pre-diabetes. And then at a point before that is that you're um, not pre-diabetes yet, but you're uh, getting there, and then below that you would be normal. And a lot, mo- a lot of people that are walking around thinking they are normal are actually insulin resistant. They're on their way to becoming diabetic. I get uh, blood tests done every year, and they test my uh, test my blood sugar level. It always comes back normal, as far as I know. They never say anything to me about well, it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Normal isn't necessarily healthy or good. Normal could still be insulin resistant. If if your blood tests come back and it's over 90 milligrams per deciliter, then you have some level of insulin resistance. And probably 90% of the population has some level of insulin resistance. Okay. Well, that's a number for me to look for then. Yes. You want to be uh, 90 or below. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate this interview today. Thanks Thank for you. calling in. We greatly appreciate your questions. Dr. Fife, do you have recommendations on substitutes for sugar? Well, um, I have one recommendation that you can use. Uh, it's stevia. Are you familiar with stevia? Yes. It's an herbal sweetener. Um, I do not like the artificial chemical sweeteners like aspartame because they cause so much health problems, including neurological problems. So I would totally stay away f- from those type of sweeteners. Um, the... Things like xylitol are better than that, so I would prefer those if you needed to use a sweetener or preferably uh, stevia. A guest on my show about five years ago, Durrett, who has written a number of diet books, recommended that people apply coconut oil to their skin as well as eat it. What's your reaction to that recommendation? That's a good recommendation. Coconut oil is absolutely the best natural skin lotion, skin salve I have ever come across. It can be used for almost any type of skin condition. If you have dry, rough skin, if you start putting coconut oil on that skin, it will become soft and smooth within just days. If you have... Uh, 
other types of lesions like warts and moles, uh, things like that, you can use that on a continual basis to get rid of it. You can use coconut oil to get rid of acne. Uh, sometimes people are a little surprised. They say, oh, well, don't won't oil make my acne worse? And then, no, because one of the properties of coconut oil is it's antimicrobial. It can kill uh, disease-causing bacteria. And studies have shown that it actually kills the bacteria that causes acne. So you can put it on your skin and do it regularly, and it will get rid of acne. It is also good for speeding the healing of any type of injury. So if you get a cut or a burn, put coconut oil on. If if I get a burn, the first thing that goes on there is coconut oil, and it speeds up the healing. Even a, a sunburn, um, putting it on will soothe it and speed up the healing. Um, in fact, coconut oil is the original uh, sunblock lotion that has been used for thousands of years in the islands of the Pacific it's a, has been a tradition that once a baby is born, um, the mother will layer a, a layer of coconut oil all over the body. And from day one all the way to the day they die, this is a ritual in which they put in coconut oil all over their skin, and it protects them from the hot tropical sun. It protects them against sand flies and mosquitoes and things like that. Uh, it's very nourishing and healthy to the skin. Do listeners who are now convinced about the value of coconut oil have to get a prescription from their doctor to be able to buy coconut oil? You know, and that's one of the most wonderful things. You know, if you're living in the United States, in fact, in most countries, you can just go down to the store and buy it and use it. Uh, the health food store uh, usually has lots. You can go to the health food store here in the United States, and you can find two or three or four or five different brands in the same store. And now regular grocery stores uh, like Kroger, Costco, um, Walmart and things like that are now stocking coconut oil. So you can get it at most regular uh, stores as well. I must also report that we've been, of course, buying coconut oil for some time, and the price is quite remarkable. Uh, we've been acquiring it at a store called Trader Joe's, and they have a, a jar of that, which, of course, at the temperature in the store is a solidified form uh, for only $4. Uh, so it's a remarkable buy for an incredible product. You know, you mentioned an, an interesting aspect is that when you buy it in the store, it's in its solid form. And a lot of people may not realize that coconut oil has a, a high melting point. And so at 76 degrees and higher, the oil is going to be a clear liquid. But below that temperature, it hardens into a, a white solid. And all oils do this at some temperature. For example, butter, you know, butter in the refrigerator, you take it out, it's a hard block, but on a hot day you let it sit out, it'll melt into a puddle. The same thing with olive oil. If you put olive oil into your refrigerator, it will harden up as well. So it's just a characteristic of, of oils. Dr. Fife, I have a personal habit of every other morning or so, taking a spoonful of coconut oil and applying that to my head. 
and I put it all over my scalp as well as my hair, and I can feel the positive benefits for my scalp. Is that practice also helping to reverse the effects of graying on my head and my hair? Well, I'm not 100% sure whether it helps with that. However, I have heard people testify that using coconut oil, either internally and topically, has helped them with uh, grain, has helped their natural hair color come in. Now, I do recommend using coconut oil as kind of a, a hair conditioner because it is very healthy for your hair. And when you put it in your scalp and your hair and then wash it out, it makes the hair uh, more vibrant, more alive, fuller. And it also helps get rid of dandruff. And so whether it uh, prevents grain or, or turns your hair back to its normal color, it does other things as well. So it's a practice I, according to your recommendation, really should continue. Yes. And then after taking a shower, would it also be something possible for people to consider to actually take a, a coconut oil and put that over their entire body? I recommend that, too, because the coconut oil is very nourishing to the skin. It's very healthy to the skin. When we go in and take a shower and we're, we wash off all the oils and stuff on our skin and come out, we need some protection, and the coconut oil can help reestablish that barrier on our skin that protects us from infections and helps soothe and lubricates our skin. So, yes, I do recommend doing that. It sounds like in terms of uh, bottom line of all of these wonderful recommendations that if a person got serious about recognizing the benefits of coconut oil and coconut flour and began actually applying that regularly and, and ingesting that, that they're going to improve their overall health and there's also the possibility that they'll help reverse the symptoms that are associated with Parkinson's disease as well. Would that be a fair summary? Yes, it would be. In fact, I would recommend that your listeners go to my coconutresearchcenter.org website, and one of the pages on there is uh, success stories. If people would like to read about other people's success in using coconut oil, because it's always fun to hear uh, the health benefits that others have actually experienced when they've used coconut oil. And then could you also, for listeners, spell very slowly that website address? The Coconut Research Center one? Yes, please. Okay, it's C-O-C-O-N-U-T-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H C E N T E R dot org O R G. Dr. Fife, one of the goals of the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show is for each show to provide listeners with at least one takeaway recommendation that can help them reverse their symptoms. And today, we have not just delivered one recommendation, but a whole series of remarkable ideas that can help people without having to get a prescription from a doctor. I want to thank you on behalf of all the many listeners across the globe 
for taking the time to tell us about your remarkable work. I really do think you are changing the health of millions of people. Well, thank you very much. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening today to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show, that you indeed are on the road to recovery. I'm your host, Robert Rogers, and this has been a Parkinson's Recovery-sponsored event among many that we offer. May your week be spectacular. Good day.